Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat upon that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them not, I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, The floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law, and may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. One of our church's emphases has been the importance of building your household. When we talk about building your household, we usually think about practical things. Things like family devotions, discipline of your children, education, and starting a home business. But as important as those things are, there are deeper principles at stake. It's possible to do all the right things and still have nothing to show for it. It all depends, as we read this morning, on your foundation. Every day of your life, you're building. And each day, the curse of Adam is upon us. Thorns and briars threaten to overtake and tear down what we build. You probably can recognize this. Have you ever come to the end of a day and you know that your body is extremely tired, almost as tired as your mind is, you're absolutely exhausted in every way, and you look back over your day and you say, what good did I actually do today? What did I actually accomplish besides making people mad, making myself mad, And you just go down the list of all the negative things. But what good did I do? Well, we have those days. What keeps us from becoming like the story in Greek mythology of the wicked king Sisyphus, who was punished by the gods 
to, for all of eternity, have to push a rock up a hill every day. And he, before he could get it exactly to the top, it would roll back to the bottom and he would have to repeat the process. What keeps us from that kind of life? The difference is that we build wisely on the right foundation. We're used to thinking of, the, of these verses that we read in, in one particular way, and, and it's easy to become lost in the familiarity. We know the story so well that we just, just slide over it. Well, let's not do that. So how do we build well? How do we build a house that will last forever? The first thing Jesus tells us to do is to beware of who we follow. Beware of who we follow. Verse 21 to 23, we normally hear those applied to our own salvation. You know, anyone that's prone to self-doubt, this is one of their life verses. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, you think, oh no, I've said Lord, Lord before. That means me. And then you start the cycle. Well, it's not wrong to apply this to ourselves, yes. But that is not the primary thing that Jesus is referring to. He's not saying, analyze your heart, and then when you're finished, if you feel too good about yourself, analyze it more. That's not the meaning. Remember who he's talking about. The previous warning was about false prophets. They look good. They wear sheep's clothing. But that's only a pretense. So Jesus is not saying, beware of false prophets, and now please doubt yourself because you may not make it. I have doubts about every one of you. That's not the, the thrust of his words here. He's saying, beware of false prophets because not all who claim my name actually belong to me. Just because someone claims the mantle of Christianity or they claim to have wisdom doesn't mean they are actually wise. And just because they say, I'm giving you Christian wisdom, or they say, this is what a Christian worldview looks like, and they pontificate about whatever their opinions are with Bible verses, that we automatically have to believe them because he has Bible verses. De the devil has Bible verses. See the temptation of Jesus. He knows his Bible better than any of us do. It's not his Bible, though. You get the point. So what traits can these wrong teachers have? Well, what does Jesus say? Well, well there's, there's three of them. First of all, they claim the Lord's name. They speak alluring words, and they do impressive works. All in the name of Jesus or under the cloak of Christianity. These people lure us away, and all the while we think we're following Jesus. In the shadow of the warning here, 
the last judgment looms. He says, on that day, verse 22, the false teachers, even before God himself, they will talk about what they've done. They'll, they'll say, I was faithful to you. I, I spoke good words. I have good works. But it will all be for naught. The difference between those who are welcomed and those who are shunned on the last day is simple. Those who are welcomed did the Father's will. Those who were shunned pursued their own sinful will. So all of this is in light of choosing who we will follow. Because who we follow has eternal implications. You will follow someone that you cannot say, it's just going to be me and my Bible and my grass hut out in the sticks with no one who can influence me. Well, that means you're under the influence of your own sinful heart, and that's not the way to go. Yes, we will sit under the influence of others. The question is, are we discerning? So first of all, Jesus says, beware of who we follow. But then the final word of wisdom here, the, the end of all of this great sermon on the mount, Jesus concludes by saying, build on a good foundation. So how do we build? Well, we're called to build on a good foundation. Verses 24 through 27. This concluding statement is actually a metaphor. It's a miniature parable of two builders. The wise one builds on a rock. When the storms come and the floods, the house stands because of its foundation. But the foolish man builds on sand. And so for him, when the storms and floods come, it crashes because of its lack of foundation. Now, I regret I don't have time to get into what... I mean, Jesus is not coming up with this, as I've said about other things. He's not coming up with this out of thin air. There's actually... I'm very confident. There, there's a couple of examples he's pointing to in the past. If you want to talk about that with me afterwards, feel free. But there, there, it's, it's a specific man, or probably a couple of men, one wise and one foolish, who actually built one on a rock and one on sand. Again, that's for another time. But the difference in these two houses is not in its size. It's not in building materials. Both of those are important. But the emphasis is the foundation. So what is, I mean, I've said build on a good foundation. What is the foundation? It's do we hear and practice what Jesus taught in this sermon? He's, he's telling the hearers. He, he, he's concluding everything by saying, are you going to do what I've just said in these previous words, or are you going to continue following your own way? Are you going to listen and obey, or will you ignore? 
This has direct implications for our discussion of building your household. When you're considering what you do, when you're considering your own building, the first question should not be, are you having family devotions? Are you disciplining your kids a particular way? Are you teaching them the right curriculum? The question must be, am I showing the grace of Christ to those in my life? Because you can give them, yes, maybe your child would, would, would flourish 0.4 of whatever better under one curriculum than another. You know what? Who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is, are you connected to Christ and pointing them to Christ? That is what matters eternally. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying... You know what I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not denigrating your choices. That's fun. There's nobody in this room who loves talking about educational curriculum more than I do. I like it. I like it so much I punish myself by getting a degree in this stuff. But I can tell you that's not what your child's eternity and your own eternity is based on. Are you pursuing the Beatitudes? Humility, sensitivity to sin, meekness, love of justice, purity of heart, and peacemaking. Do you strive to avoid sin? And when you sin, do you confess? Do you show love to those around you, especially those who are not easy to love? Do you give sacrificially? Do you pray continually? Do you go to war against worry? Are you growing in discernment? Now, I know this is not easy to do when you are overwhelmed with life, kids, family, or, on the other hand, when you are lonely, when you're hurting, when you feel dead spiritually, when it seems like nothing that I read, nothing that I, that, 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 that I pray about, it all is just hitting me, and I'm like a concrete wall, and I don't feel like anything is making a dent. It's not easy to pursue these things when it's those times. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't mean he's given up on you. We can become discouraged when we don't see quick fruit. We love quick fruit. Sometimes it just feels like you're laying another log, like you're just adding another stone, like you're putting another little bit of mortar, but you actually don't see much progress happening. So, brother and sister, do not worry about how much progress you're making. Just keep building. Every day, keep building. You don't trust your own progress. You trust the one who's given you all things in Christ and who said that he would be the one. He's the one that builds. You get to participate in what God is already doing. So you trust his word. You don't just trust him for your kids. You trust him for yourself. 
Have you ever tried to sanctify yourself apart from God's grace? It's an ugly thing. All you come to is that at the end of the day, you feel frustrated. So, so, so don't worry about what you're, what you're doing, how much progress you're making. Just keep building. Keep confessing. Keep repenting and keep rejoicing. So we're told to beware of who we follow. We're told to build on good foundations. But then what is the result? When you do all these things, what do you have to show for it? You have, by God's grace, a shelter in times of distress. We don't just do what Jesus said because we're trying to get into the new creation alone. We're building something for our own protection, but also for others. How many, of you, how many times have you faced a trial when you wish you could turn to someone who would give you wisdom, guidance, and encouragement? Hopefully, you have received that before. How many times have you been comforted by an older brother or sister in the faith? The stability of a society depends on the wise protection of the older generation to the younger generations. And this is a fact not just for the church and not just for Christians. This is true for all of history. If you do not have stable older generations who are guiding and pouring into and giving themselves to train and teach and mentor the younger generations, you have an unstable society. You have young men and women who go off into who knows what direction. And that can't last. Boys and girls, young men and women, must have the, the gift they must be offered the gift of resting under the protective shade of older saints who are like the trees planted by the rivers who offer the sweet fruit of godly wisdom. We live in a spiritually homeless society where there are few shelters people can rely on. So what do we do? Where do we start? I mean, I've told you a lot of things we don't have. The answer is not, well, chuck it and go home and let's just be real sad and depressed. No. Start building. Wherever you are, start building. You say, I don't have much to offer. Okay. So, start where you are. The house we're called to build is not a manufactured home that goes up quickly. It takes years, and we cannot rush it. It may not seem like it's coming up at all, but again, not your job to worry about your progress. God is not waiting at some point in the future saying, why are you not here? What's your problem? He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the invitation. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount is not given to you as an extra burden. 
It's not like, oh, you thought Moses' law was hard? <laughs> I've got about 50 times more weight. Here you go. No. It's receive God's goodness. Come into the new creation and welcome to Christ. It's gospel. From beginning to end. It's the work of Christ. You will never do anything good by yourself. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I thank God I labored more abundantly than all of you, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. The storms will come. The winds will blow. The floods will rise. And I'll, I'll admit, some houses will be smaller than others, just like some in the parable of the talents. Some receive fewer talents than others. Not our job to worry about. All who follow Christ's teachings will stand. We read then, we didn't read this verse earlier, but we read then in chapter 8, verse 1. When he had come down from the mountains, great multitudes followed him. So we saw after Jesus' teaching was finished, verse Verses 28 through chapter 8, verse 1, it said when he, when he finished that the people were astonished. They were filled with wonder at his teaching because he taught with God's authority, not with men's authority. There's more here than just gravity to Jesus' words. It was clear that Jesus was giving them liberating truth. And then, what do the people do with that? Well, we know that some followed. So Jesus comes down the mountain after giving them these words, and many follow. And what does he do right after that? Of all the people who would approach Jesus, chapter 8, verse 2, a leper came and worshipped him. Have you ever done something great and you expect to be acknowledged by someone great? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done something you, you, you are, I mean, if you admit, I mean, we're church people, so we're not supposed to be proud, but we all know when we do something really good, what do we expect? We want somebody who knows their stuff to come and say, that was impressive. Who comes to Jesus? A leper. Think of the most popular person you ever know and then go in the opposite exact opposite direction, and that's what you have. You have a leper. A leper is the one who comes to Jesus. And he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Talk about not having the expectations of the, the, of, of the best and brightest coming. The first person coming to Jesus is a leper, and what does Jesus say? I'm willing to be cleansed. Jesus welcomes one who is shunned and unclean, and he brings him in and says, You are clean. So if you say to your, if you say right now, there's no way that I can do what Jesus is saying. Brothers and sisters, if somebody who isn't the off-scouring of society can come to Jesus and say, Will you? Will you? 
He says the same thing to you. Don't say, I can't come to him. I can't follow this. You just have to come down with him and say, Lord, will you? And his answer to you is the same as his answer was to the leper. I'm willing. Be cleansed. So wherever you are, old or young, mature or immature, will you follow what Jesus says? Will you let him take you as he did his disciples wherever he wants you to go? Will you receive his words and do them? That's the call for all who aspire to new life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the good news. We thank you for hearing our prayers. And we thank you for cleansing us as you did that leper. Grant us the grace to build well. It is in Jesus our Lord's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.